Well, it's a dynamic duo, we'll be back again. Nothing back with DJ, you better pack it in. You're lacking sense, trying to tangle with us. Scoop of a big black booties in the back of the bus to smack you. You're stealing your lunch, money for such. Ready to feel like just a touch. Only by the end of the day, that's understandable. What can I say? You got strong man to be. Mind, mind, Gary has absolutely no idea what has happened to it. Still doesn't know. All right. So the NBA continues. It does. I do like Wobs every time something happens and he does that. You know, the, the NBA has been zero days since it was last unnecessarily dramatic. It always makes me laugh, that one. Yeah, but he was also whinging that, um, yes, that was you know, he, very- couldn't, he couldn't believe that Jalen Brunson didn't make the All-Star team based on the fan vote. And I'm like, you are aware the rest of the world is allowed to vote for this. I mean, how else is fucking Alperin's Shangoon getting fifth in fan voting? Turkey has the internet. It turns out they vote. Well, it's funny how the Knicks have been so bad for so long, but as soon as they're sort of half decent, that the Knicks fans really start feeling themselves. Not they? just the Knicks fans, the media <laughs> leading to it too, because, I mean, we're yeah. going to go straight into the, the, the voting results and the All-Star starters, but um, Brunson was second in Eastern Conference guards. Second mm. in the media vote. He, he, he is uh, – the, the, the East guards are complicated though, right? It's well, not, not like really. West- I wouldn't say complicated. I would just say not very good because you had Tyrese Halliburton – you had Dame, who's not had a particularly vintage year, and then you got yeah. Brunson, Trey Young, who got the second vote in in the West. So therefore, yeah. Knicks fans are still going to be saying "fuck Trey Young," which is glorious. Donovan Mitchell, who's being played like a playing like a food truck, and uh, Tyrese Maxey. So it, it it drops off super quick in the East uh, over in the guard position. The the Cavs are just like just just an absolute conundrum, right? Because they lost. Their second and third best player, and then suddenly just were almost unbeatable for nine games. Yeah, they, they won eight uh, of nine, and then they, they then they ran into the all singing, all dancing Milwaukee Bucks, fresh off yeah. uh, giving their coach the the almighty ass. Um, obviously, Joe Prunty just has that electric magnetism that that makes a team want to dance in warm ups. Um, but the funny thing is that the, the Bucks. You know, they came out like you know, like a, a with a hiss and a roar, but they ended up having the same problem they always have, which is kind of fumbling about and needing Dame to go stupid at the end to do to get yeah. them out of the shit. Um, so, so that problem isn't fixed, and I'm not sure hiring fucking Doc Rivers is going to fix much of anything else. But well, I think it will in in that he will go, hey, you guys need to do this and you guys need to do that, and it seemed like. Um the previous regime was more vibes-based than actual ideas-based. Well, I think it was just uh, more that, that um, the previous the previous head coach, Adrian Griffin, carried himself like he was a head coach who yeah. had earned respect, and he had earned none because he'd never been a head coach before. He had been but, he had been for 14 head coach interviews and not, not succeeded yeah. in any of them, which kind of should have been a red flag, as well as uh, Terry Stotts getting, you know, Quitting on him earlier in the season and various other things. I mean, I, I want to see, well, I want to see first year coaches succeed. But um, yeah, the the other thing is when you rock up and you've been in a, a good assistant at another team and you essentially go, "Hey, we're going to run the Raptors' way of defending, but we don't have uh, you know a whole bunch of six eight, six seven, 
we, we're, not run, we're not running six nine theory like like the Raptors were, and also we'd been a remarkably good defense with the parts that we've got in in mm. Milwaukee the previous year. That that was a pretty that was probably the wrong hill to die on. Yeah, but Dion, it's, it's, he appears to have done. Oh, and like you would say, geez, that's really dumb. But I've seen so many coaches just walk into a situation in my sport and go. I, I'm just going to run this. This is what I like to run. And I don't really care that you can't, you know, throw a 30-meter right-to-left cutout pass. We're, we're going to make you throw it because that's the sort of style I like to play. I just don't un- – it just baffles me. Well, it baffles but, I, but me. I think it's an ego thing. I mean, I, I mean, Hassan was talking about when um, I think Terry Porter came in to take over from either Dan Tony or Alvin Gentry at the Suns when he was working there. You know, they, they've been known for the seven seconds or less offense. They're a remarkable bloody thing. And Terry yeah. Porter insisted on installing his own offense in place of the seven seconds or less fucking offense. It's like, what the fuck are you doing, bro? But it's yeah, all about, you, you, I need to put my own stamp on this team. But you can, you can de- like, and again, I hate to, no, I don't hate to. I, I am going to bring it back to my own sport. But I've seen Drink. coaches where they'll come in and, and they won't change the bits that work. They'll go, Oh, let's let's go and let's go and work on the bits that we know that don't work. Th- this bit's working fine. If Novel. if we need to tweak the bit that's that's working fine, we can do that down the track. But let's just let that tick along and let's spend all our effort, you know, fixing the part that we know that's not getting us over the hump. Um, and Griffin just was like, no, no. Hey, and again, it's the same thing as what um, Blatt had at the Cavs, except he sort of got. He got a year and screwed. a half. <laughs> well, but he got he got screwed over because he got hired to coach a team, right? And and then it wasn't it wasn't a LeBron team, but also yeah. he was he was he had a bigger ego than anybody in the room. I mean, remember him talking about how nothing in the end yeah. phased him because he he you know people should be bowing down to his CV, and there was something about you know what he did was more complicated than than being a fighter pilot. There was all kinds of really bizarre fucking egotistical quotes out of that guy, and it just was not. You know, he'd never. I mean, Adrian Griffin had been an assistant in the NBA for an extremely long time. David Blatt had not been seen in the NBA at any time before or since. Yeah, it seems like Griffin's sort of shoddy shot, though. Like, I don't know, back to permanent assistant land for him. I think. Well, I don't know if he has the um, his ego might make him make him think shit. You know, given the way he's conducted himself, you think he might not want to go back to that. He might not have the the will to, to kind of subjugate himself like that. He might go into college coaching, or he might go to Europe or something. But yeah. I, yep. I think he always wanted to be a head coach, and I don't know whether he can accept going back to being what he was. But you know, clearly he and was he was a massive flute in the room because they wouldn't have been dancing in pre in warm ups just because Joe Prunty was their fucking assistant coach. It was oh, it was fuck, it was the so it was that bad. fucking Ghanaian fucking funeral pallbearer meme. They were just dancing down the fucking street in in warm ups. Astonishing thing. <laughs> I've never this is the thing. I've never seen a team publicly call for their coaches firing. Quite like that one when Giannis was in being interviewed, saying everybody needs to go, but we need to be coached better. Mm. Um, putting his name on it. I mean, he did also talk about the fact that you know the, the locker room attendants could use a bit more preen on the stains in his gusset when they're washing his clothes. But um, <coughs> see, I would have thought that th- these things were all single use. You know, you use uniform once, and you, but apparently not. No. Uh, well, you would think there would be a good aftermarket eBay thing for used uniforms, <laughs> just put them, yeah. wear them once and put them up on eBay and sell them off and get another one. 
Uh, I just, just don't know. I think Doc's about as good a coach as what you're going to get for this situation if you want to do anything this year. Um, if you're not willing to ride off this year, you can't go get a Chris Finch or a, like another young assistant out there and, and try and save it this year. You've got to get someone that sort of has a degree of respect in the room, I guess. Well, I think I think they needed they need two people. They need a Doc Rivers to to be the the CEO, and they needed a good defensive assistant. Yeah, because I don't think Doc's defenses have been that good since probably a couple of stops ago now, since Clippers era, and they still have the issue that that they swapped Drew Holiday for Dan Lillard, and and um, Chris Middleton's not as mobile as he was. That they've got some challenges in terms of the kind of defense they can actually play. Yeah, it's, and and yet they're still second in the East. Well, yeah, exactly right. And did you hear that um, the way it works out, Doc might actually be coaching the Eastern Conference All-Stars because uh, Missoula, who coach, is the coach of Boston, who are leading, you can't be the coach of the Conference All-Star team two years in a row. That would be hilarious. So, fucking Doc <laughs> might be coaching the Eastern Conference team and Pascal Siakam might be hosting All-Star because – uh, Halliburton might not be uh, back from injury in time to fucking be the lead guard on the East. He might be the only that's, Indiana player who who makes the All Star team. That's really funny. <laughs> I didn't think of that. Welcome to Indiana. We only just got here. Yeah. Um. It's 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 a really fascinating Eastern Conference now because you've got I guess everyone fighting for that four spot. So you're not. You're not getting one of the Celtics, Bucks, and Sixers in the first round. Exactly right. I mean, it currently it's it, it's Boston, Milwaukee, Philadelphia, and they're they're within five games. And then you have got New York, Cleveland, kind of four, five, and kind of settled at the moment. Then you've got Indiana, Miami, Orlando, and then it drops off. Um, so you can certainly see New York and Cleveland having another fucking a rematch of, of yeah. last year's sweep. You can see Indiana playing Philadelphia, but a. a, a a fully operational Indiana with Siakam and Halliburton would be an interesting uh, match for Philadelphia. They'd, they'd need a lot of Joel Embiid to get through that. And, and Heat Bucks or Heat Celtics would just be <laughs> hilarious as a first round. Well, who even knows with the fucking Heat? Because the Heat the Heat went and traded Cole Lowry for uh, Terry C- Rozier. Cole Lowry's corpse. Yeah, <laughs> well, you say that, but, you know, the meanest, toughest – nastiest, scariest, terriest team in the uh, in the NBA, not only got beaten by the Memphis Grizzle leftovers, they then just got annihilated by Boston this afternoon. So the Terry Rozier experience has not particularly started well. Do you know the, the weird thing about the Heat, though, is they're in that um, uh, LeBron uh, Cavs sort of era of Look, we just don't really care about the regular season. Well, they're at all. also kind of in the Mike Tyson zone, where you you, you know, like you could read literally anything about them and you'd just believe it. You know, they, they yeah. can just do whatever, and you're like, yeah, we'll still see him in the Eastern Conference Finals for sure. Absolutely, uh, I do think that was a, a really good on the fringes move. That Cleveland had gone too well for them to get Donovan, um, and then who who else is really moving the needle for them? Like if they went all in. Uh, just, I don't know. There's just not really anyone out there. I mean, there's still some stuff to be done in the West, but I think the East might, you know, famous last words, I think it might be a little bit quiet in the East from here on in. I can't see anybody else making any dramatic uh, moves. Except the Hornets have a lot of people. Like, the Hornets are obviously in fire sale mode. So, PJ Washington. Uh, I said know. dramatic moves. 
Uh, yeah, I guess so. I, Levine, Levine's the piece on the board because the balls seem to be going nobody, well enough nobody that wants they just Levine. don't want him. That's, that's the problem. Nobody wants Levine. So I think yeah. what's going to happen is Levine's just going to skulk back into that starting lineup once once because they extended his, oh, his ankle is still sore for another week. Um, I think after the trade deadline, he's just going to skulk back into that team and, and they are going to make a, a full throttle run for the nine seed. Because that's yeah, where the, Chicago is, and that's what Chicago deserves. The Nets, the Nets might also do something because they sort of have to. They don't have any picks of their own. So yeah, they might so, see if they can trade the contract of, of Ben Simmons and some other bits and pieces to to achieve something. Yeah, poor oh man. I just feel sympathy for Simmons at this stage. It just he just seems like one of those guys that can't get can't get his body right. But it's a shame that it's it, happened now. It's kind of like he needs to have the the Dante Exum two years in Europe to figure his shit out. Yeah, and come but back. I, I just but don't, I don't think he would. Yeah, I don't think his ego would let him do that. And he's probably earned enough money from that max contract that he doesn't need to, right? He, no, he'd be more likely to do a Kyrgios and just go, fuck it, I'm just going to start a podcast. And, and, and yeah. Actually, didn't Kyrgios start an OnlyFans? Not, not, <laughs> not in a – he's one of the people who uses OnlyFans for its, for its less well-known function of, of not showing your bits. Uh, yeah. But, you know. I'm sure. I'm sure. Curious, showing his bits would probably make a bit of money as well. But anyway. it was more. It was more kind of you know inside tennis stuff and and you know right. behind the scenes stuff. It wasn't him, you know, shelving a tennis record or something. Something particularly off color. Yeah, and that's the fully extent of our Australian Open coverage. And then in the West, the interesting thing was I fully expected the Timberwolves to go in a mini spiral after their coach just fucking laid into him in a press conference after one of their yeah. players got 60. He didn't, he didn't, miss, he didn't miss after, after. And the thing is that I actually <laughs> I actually enjoyed that how pissed off Cat was with getting a loss on the 60. He's like, I don't give a fuck yeah. about the 60. We lost and this sucks. And I don't know if that yep. was before or after Finchie got in his ear, but you can clearly tell he gave a shit and he has never given a shit in his life. So... I'm quite enjoying yeah. the new Carl, the new Carl Towns. The, the, well, the, the, the new Tim, Towns. the new Timberwolves. Because, like, if you would said to me that they go on a five-game losing streak after that game, I would not have been surprised. They won oh, two. In fact, and they the other thing two. about that game—that is the game. That was the Charlotte game, the Charlotte Minnesota game. That was the game where the referees admitted to making ten errors in the last two minutes. Now yeah. that is some volume shooting. That is efficiency. <laughs> ten errors in two minutes—that's amazing. So you can almost write that one off. It's not – I mean, Finch – I don't really think Finchie needed to go them for that because I didn't really feel like they were force-feeding uh, Cat down the stretch. Cat was just finding it. And, he, you know, if you, you give it to the hot hand. I think it was more about him sending a message for down the track. I think yeah, that was more I'm- about, you know, just complacency. And this is an opportunity where you guys have get, are getting a little bit too comfortable. I'm going to have to just, you know, turn the buns and burn her up a little bit. And they came back and they've won their last two games. So um, – <laughs> It's, it, it's crap opposition, though, but, you know, you've got to beat them too. It's not It's not too different from me talking to my kids today where I'm like, you guys need to talk nicely to each other. Like, simple things like, can you please move out of the way so I can get to X shouldn't be a knockdown, you know, pushing, shoving match, screaming at each other. It should just be a simple request. And it's just, that's how, and like... It, it, that was the like, no, you can just go to your room. I've, I've had it. it. It felt like a culmination of, I, I've been saying to you guys, stop dicking around. We're going to lose a game because you're, yeah. you know, you're just being juvenile. And he's sort of like, oh, this is a really, really good point for me to really ram it home what I've yeah. been saying behind closed doors. 
for weeks. The moment doesn't deserve this, but I need it for later. So I'm gonna I'm gonna lean on it. And and to be fair, in parenting, you do that quite a bit. You pick the moments to to put the message yeah, in, and, and, and it might not be the it might not be the the the, the, the proportional <laughs> response, but sometimes it's the thing that covers the past and the future. And he even said, like, teams can go two ways from something like this. You bench a guy that's got 60, you know, he can sulk and, and sort of, bench you know. Him. I mean, Cap started the next game, but it was more, it was more. The, no, the- no, no, but he, 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 he pulled him off the, off the, the, like, when he had 60, he benched him in the fourth quarter. He put him on the pine. Because I was on Twitter, everyone was going, has Cat, has Cat injured himself? Why is he not out there? Because it was a close game and he had 60. So what you're saying uh, is that Chris Finch cost them the win because he took their best defensive player off the court. I think Chris Finch was deflecting. <laughs> Seriously. If the guy is on yeah. fire, keep fucking pouring petrol on it. You've got to win. They're going to have to win 50 to 60 of these fucking things. You don't let one yeah. shed just because you've, you've ruined your feelings about, you know, how much spotlight is on somebody. I've actually flipped on this. Chris Finch is a moron and should be fired. <laughs> that's that's the- a- Anthony <laughs> Edwards, captain coach. That's the uh, anti-coach doc that I know and love. Well, I, whose decision cost them the game? Yeah, but it's it's for them, I guess it's all about- And like, like you said, Cat has been just anti-Cat in his response in the next two games, right? Well, he's like, been any cat all year is what I've been really impressed by because he's a different yeah. dude. In the offseason, we talk about, you know, I'm the best shooting big man and going to yada, yada, yada. Um, he is actually backing that up but still being dominant inside. Mm. And that's made a massive fucking difference doing doing well, the bit that, that everyone slags him off for not doing plus doing the bit that he likes to do, which is stand on the perimeter and, and rain threes. So the flip side of this is did you see the, the TNT interview with Luca today? I did not because I was watching. I was I was on league pass flipping between games. So they asked Luca about you know basically being a whiny little bitch to referees and fans, as it turns out. Um, and you know basically you know you're whining it, it costs points in games, and you know um, Jason Kidd said he was going to sit you down and have a chat with you about it, and you know basically tell you to cut it out. And Luca's like. Um, yeah, well, the coach hasn't sat me down and talked to me about it yet, but uh, I agree, I need to do something about it. And, like, but But he's the- he said that before. It's almost like he can't control that element. Like, he, he's often said, I need to stop doing this. True. But you know what he never does? Stops doing it. Stops so doing he clearly it. Yeah, can't no. stop fucking doing it. But, but I guess the difference between what Finch is doing and what Kid's doing is Finch is drawing a line in the sand and saying, you know, if we're going to play as a team and actually do something as a team, these are the acceptable standards we have to have. And kids basically like, no, no, it's Luca. I've got to, you know, he, he's he's doing the spoiled child syndrome of let Luca do whatever the fuck he wants. I'm not going to hold him accountable. Uh, I don't. I don't. Stop deflecting my criticism of your favourite white coach. <laughs> this is all about you and that chubby white guy who looks like an accountant who cost uh, his team a win. Jason Kidd did not cost his team a win in the last couple of games because the team were able to lose them on themselves. Yeah. Dallas uh, have been a bit weird recently. They've been five and five in their last ten, and they're you know, I mean, they have they've been uh, either Lucaless or Kyrieless or Dontaeless, no, no, which is as we've pointed out. No, excellent. Dontaeless is the biggest problem. Yeah. That's the that's the key, right? He's he's that's like, the critical issue. And, and like all jokes aside, he's sort of the skeleton key that can unlock some of their lineups because he'll go and 
he can do some fancy stuff, but he also does 90% of the day shit. Yeah, he <laughs> is the defensive cover for both of their yeah. score first, defend never guards. Yeah. He is necessary. He he needs to be there at the three if they've got those other two at the one and two. Otherwise, the whole enterprise falls on its tits. Do you sort of feel like the Suns are, you know, the the opening credits of a Star Wars movie where, you know, the superstar destroyer just drifts into view and, you know, with this huge shadow silently? Not really because it would be like an enormous cardboard cutout of one that's actually being pushed by a Cessna because – I mean, I saw um, Adonis Haslam on um, – he was on oh, NBA TV's show, Game Time, and he was talking yeah. about the Big Three Heat as a comparison to the Big the big Three um, oh, in yeah, Miami. No, there's no, and no saying, comparison at all. But he was saying, look, okay, you got your Big Three. It's your small 12 who dictate whether you win or lose because yeah. you need these other people to do shit because everyone else is going to get marked out of the game, essentially. Well, they're, and that's absolutely right. Now, right now, the big three is working, but they're, only- they're four and five are going pretty well at the moment, and and you would have to say they're bet on. But that's because eight. the big three are there. They weren't going yeah. as well, you know. When when no, no, it, it only works when the four when and five got- have to become the three and four. Then that's a problem, and, and that's why I was using the sort of Star Wars Death Star analogy because those three have. Well, well, that was more the Star Destroyer, but yeah, the Death Star works yeah. quite well because of the exhaust port analogy. <laughs> yeah, and, well, and- but. but- but also the the gravity thing, right? It's so those those three players are so big that when they're actually on, the, the gravity that they allow Nurkic and Grayson Allen to have turns those two players into much better players than they are on, say, Portland. Um, Nurkic was good on Portland, but but, but point but taken. You- but to be fair, Nurkic has had a couple of seasons that have been full of injury. But Nurkic yeah. has been very good for the Suns when when the big three but- are out there. But also, he's really, really good at the things Aiden wasn't like. When someone, you know, tries to to, to bully Durant, he's there to, to to push them off. He's the locker room guy. You know, he's he's doing all of the stuff. He's doing the Iggy stuff for Golden State. I feel. Yeah. Um, well, what's interesting about that is that I feel like Aiden, when, when he's able to get out of his house because of ice, has actually been better at okay. the stuff that he was bad at. In Phoenix, he was be- he's better at that in Portland. Like the inside stuff, the paint touches, the you know the the fucking post up game, all that stuff that he didn't want to do in, or wasn't able to do. Well, to be fair, they made they made a conference final with him, so it couldn't have been that bad. But you know the yeah. stuff that he was he was renowned for not being that good at in Phoenix, he is doing in Portland. I mean, it's not a bad team, and it's harder to get noticed. Although they had a good win, um, they had a good win yesterday. But I feel like it might be a win win. Eventually, I mean, been able to say win-win for a team that's thirteen and thirty-one in terms of Portland. But um, look, if it gets a Chauncey Billups fired, that that all, all the best. Yeah, their probably biggest problem is that Scoot's not really showing as much development as they would have liked. I'd I'd contend that he's at on exactly the path that a fucking that a, that a normal rookie would be. And yeah. that we we are marking on on a Wemby slash Chet scale, which Chet is scale, yeah, unrealistic. It's, it's, it's a it's an unrealistic year. Yeah. yeah, it is it is completely unrealistic because these guys are going to be uh, in the ten best players in the league uh, for the next ten years. Uh, and the best part about that is that it, they fucking hate each other. They yeah, genuinely despise each other. It's fucking <laughs> glorious. Because when they do well, that, like, they've had this week of Rivals Week where, you know, there's been, you know, Nets and, and 
nicks and, and Lakers Clippers and you go, oh, yeah, fair enough. And then they've had like Blazers Rockets and you're like, when were they what? rivals? I was reminded that that was the game where Dame hit the three that we had the yeah, Mike Tirico call. That's, that's the uh, the Balls podcast intro yeah. rivalry. <laughs> that's what that Definitely Thunder versus Spurs is going to have a bit about it for a very long time, for as long as these guys are, are playing for both of them, because they are, especially Wemby just pretty much bulldozed through him again and stared him down. It's like, why are you two skinny well, men trying to kill each other? This is like giraffes fighting. It's a little bit like, and this is before you, probably both our times when we were watching the NBA, but didn't, um, uh, not Duncan, who was uh, Robinson, the, the Spurs center, got the MVP one year and then H- Hakeem absolutely destroyed him in the finals because he thought he should have been the MVP. That sounds about right, mid-90s. Yeah, but, but when you get that rivalry of two players on the same timeline at the same position who can guard each other, it's just a really special thing that we should – should appreciate more, I guess. Yeah, because so many of these players grew up in, a- in AAU and they're actually – they're never yeah. really enemies. You see this in Formula One too because no. these kids are all – all grew up karting together and they've known each other for fucking 15 years. So, they never yeah. really fall out to the point where they have a- – where they feud. But these two guys came from other sides of the world and they don't fucking like each other. Uh, and Luca or, or has that you- with, um, with Devin Booker. I think you need to have people from the yeah. other side of the world in order to get that effect. And, like, or you get the Pat Beverly, Russell Westbrook one where it's not, you know, not two players of equal quality or... Well, in that case, you've just got two absolute psychopaths, like genuinely mentally deranged people. And, of course, they're going to strike off each other in in weird ways because, you know, it would be even worse if they actually combined forces because then you'd have some sort of suicide squad thing going on. (laughs) Like, Chris Paul versus... Uh, Curry was good for a while, but that was a player on the way out and a player on the way up, right? Oh, fuck. Did you see that? There was, I saw a clip from uh, Draymond's podcast where he was talking to CP3 and they were talking about referees. And, and, and I swear Draymond is trolling, but he says, you know, my, my, the referee I, li- I really like the most, Scott Foster. And just <laughs> CP3's face is just like, motherfucker, <laughs> you motherfucker. He's like, I didn't know you. I didn't know you were like that with him. And and, he's, and, and Draymond says, no, no, because he lets me go, and I know where I am. Because some referees, you know, you, you're all friendly before the go, then, then the whistle goes, and then suddenly, suddenly it's all business, and it's, it's totally not like that. And basically, probably. Chris Ball is like, I could respond to this, but I'll have to or wait until I'm retired. Because <laughs> clearly, he wants to tell, and I think Draymond wanted him to tell why there's that underlying fucking. The deep See, lying, because apparently it's about you know he reckon something about his family or something, but he says so, no, so I'm going to have to wait. You know, I can't. I can't Chris Paul could write two biographies, right? He could buy write a biography about his career and then write a biography about his relationship with Scott Foster. I think he wrote a third bi- well, biography on the from the position of Cliff Paul, the character he played in the, the State Farm. Yeah. Um, look, it's, Chris it's, Paul has it's seen all- some shit when you think about his career, all the stuff that he's been been a part of. From the the, fa- the the trade that failed to the Lakers to fucking, I think he was in, was he I think he was in that fucking Hornets team that had to play in New Orleans yeah, okay, after see. Katrina. Yeah. Like he was no, they played in played in OKC. For OKC, a season. that's right. Um, that was yeah. before the Thunder went there. I think wasn't it? Yeah, um, it was the season before they had their yeah, own team. They, they were kind of the, the the launch party for, for the Thunder. 
for those those pricks who moved moved the Seattle team. Um, he was he was there for the Clippers for when Donald Sterling went down. You know, he, Chris Paul is basically the Forrest Gump of modern NBA. It's amazing. Yeah, and he, and he also can't run unless unless they take his clamps off. Sometimes it may be good. Sometimes it may be shit. How fucking funny is it going to be when Paolo Banquero doesn't make the US Olympic team after oh, ditching Italy? No chance. There's no 49 chance. players that have been nominated to the train-on squad. He's not making it after after fucking <laughs> pissing on Italy. Get fucked. Vaffanculo, you motherfucker. Enjoy that. But the, Take that, L. The, they'll, they'll need to pick guys like Aaron Gordon to supplement the Curries and the, you know, the, the stars. They'll, you know, they'll, they won't have, Ben Carey's a star, like he's yeah. a star type player, right? So G- Gordon is your perfect guy to take in a side like that. It looks like it's going to be, you know, not a dream team, but like a, a really well constructed MB- superstar NBA side. So I think they might just pick him at twelve, just but just to justify the experience. The funny yeah. thing is that, um, and I noticed this by looking at the voting results from the, the All Star, um, the players rate him a lot. He was the fourth rated front court player in the East. So that's ahead of Jimmy Butler. That's ahead of Jalen Brown. That's ahead of Bam and Porzingis and Randall, Mikael Bridges. Uh, it's yeah. only behind the three who are starters. The, the other one about that was Shea. Like <laughs> Shea's star has just yeah. Like, oh, the players had like, him had him ranked first. You know what? Every, the, everyone had him ranked first. Well, no, the fans had him ranked third. Oh, had, did the fans have him ranked third? Yeah, because they had Donkic first. Yeah, you know, as uh, much as the European yeah, market. Yeah. Curry second yeah. because Curry, and then Shea was third, and then Kyrie mm. fourth, and and Ant fifth. That's that's right. The players and the media both had him first. What's interesting though is that the media, so the players get a lot of shit. In fact, even the, the players give themselves shit. Also, Josh Hustis, who has retired, who was a was a Thunder player in in the KD Russ era, uh, was on one of the athletic podcasts that he's on with Zach Harper, and he was talking about the fact that that they just that they take the All Star voting not seriously at all. They just vote for their mates, even if they're injured. You know, even you know Stephen Adams got half a dozen votes for this one, even though he hasn't played all season. <laughs> But even with that said, enough of the players take it seriously that if I was look, comparing the player, the fan, and the media voting, I actually think the players have got it closer to what I feel is right. That certainly the fans haven't, and even the media. I mean, I, the media, the media having the, the media fucking voted LeBron at two. Well, having nah. well, the media having Brunson at two in in as the second best guard in the East. I don't know about that. Ah, uh, um, there's there's a there's a really weird. Nostalgia for New York basketball in the media. It's I, I do not yeah. understand it. And to be fair, Brunson Brunson will get a call up if Halliburton can't go. What I liked about yeah. Brunson that Brunson missing out was his his mates were really supportive. Just see Josh Hart, who was his college teammate and is now his his uh, his next teammate. He was told. Um, Fred Katz said, "Oh, you know, you saw your mate Brunson didn't make it," and then Josh Hart says, "Yeah, what a fucking loser." <laughs> but Brunson will get a coach's vote. Like Brunson will get in on the coach. I, I, look, I think I think he'll just get direct. Yeah, he'll just get in directly because yeah. because if I don't, it's only three weeks Hall- away. I mean, Halliburton's not going to risk it if he doesn't have to. I thought Halliburton played today. No, he didn't play today. I don't huh. think he played today. He, uh, certainly in the in the blurb for the game, he was he wasn't playing. I should, probably, right. I should probably look. I think he's. I think he's out for a bit. Yeah. No. I thought he came back for today. So oh. I could be wrong. Pacers seventy sixes. We're looking this up. No, he did not play today. He did not. No. No. The the, the spiel for it was. You know that these. Jeez, that, that that's an even more that's a, a more impressive win than than first thought though. If they didn't have 
I know him. Well, MB played thirty-one minutes and got MB thirty-one was, points. MB was there and was playing well, but I think he's a bit he's a bit cooked. Uh, he's mm. still out because yeah. of the hamstring, and, the ha- and it's a hamstring. But Siakam got a triple double, so that that made a huge <laughs> difference. Just and, cooked enough not to make the trip to Denver, I would say. Yeah, mm-hmm. oh, and Denver was bitching about. Uh, so, um, uh, Michael Malone was bitching about the fact that they have they played awful against the Knicks and got absolutely lapped, and then they've got a matinee before. Yeah, haven't they? Haven't they played like? 10 in 13 days or well, something, Well, they've got a really tough Eastern Conference trip. They're in the middle of it, and they've got a, they've got an afternoon game uh, day, after, day after tomorrow. And then you think, but you play in Denver, which is at altitude and has a fucking airport in another country. and <laughs> It is, too. I, I can attest to that. You have, you have the greatest natural home ground advantage of any fucking team in the entire league. Shut that- the fuck up. I think that was more a, a response to like that's a schedule loss today, right? That was a response that, that, to losing. That's all that was. Yeah, that was a. I, I'm in my feelings, and I'm going to blame something because <sighs> I don't want to blame me. Because uh, if I blame me, then I have then I have sad feelings. Mm. Yeah, bad day for bad day for basketball today, though. There was a lot of absolute tallings. There were a lot of twenty point games going on. Well, I think that this is where you see the schedule crunch, uh, getting ready for All Star and. Like jamming games in in between the in season tournament and yes. all star. Yeah, I think we're seeing a bit of that. It's the yeah. games being tacked on of on all away trips to make up for um, make up for games that were lost in the in the yeah. um, the mid season crunch. Which is a reason why the people who say we should have three mid season tournaments, that's nah, why you can't do it because just, it, it it just completely randomizes the rest of the um, the rest of the fucking the rest of the schedule. Just have 60, 65 games or whatever it is, and so that every time you get nuggets. Sixes or they're never doing that. You know, we just forget yeah, about it, Tom Haberstro. It's not happening. It's just not fucking happening. <laughs> but you know, everyone's like, "Oh, they had some rest and we had an awesome game." Yeah, no nobody shit. ever says that. They just say we had an awesome really? game. Oh, I don't know. I've never this said, "Oh, it's because they were rested that it was a good game." No, I didn't think the, the fucking the the Dubs game today, where they you know just they only just lost to the the fucking Kings. They were playing on a back-to-back against Sack, which is the worst kind of back-to-back. Uh, after they'd, they'd played the game yesterday against the Hawks, where they had the whole, you know, tribute to um, Dejan Milojevic. Incredibly emotional. Um, even got Dusty, you know, where I was watching. Uh, and they only they managed to just drag out a win against them. Um, so it was a hell of a lot to ask them to, to do. But being tied didn't really factor into it. Sometimes you're just going to turn up and play. Yeah. Um. Unless you're on this podcast, in which case you can take a fucking month off and hang out at the beach. Yeah, that's right. That's, <laughs> Sorry, folks, we're not we're not quite as dedicated to this, but then again, well, we're not making the league minimum. Yeah, well, I was going to say when they pay me Draymond money, I'll fucking yeah. I'll podcast all through the Christmas break. But until then, well, you, do, you do troll your co-host almost as much, which is good to say. <laughs> Can't work it whether you're the Draymond oh, Green or the Scott Foster of this podcast, but it's one of the two. Uh, I think I'd rather be Scott Foster. Well, you know, you know, he, he has his mates are really cool. You know, Tim Donahue. He must have got uh, a bit of a bump for that. Oh dear. All right. Have you got any other takes you want to get off before we get get on? Only to the just music? to say that fucking you know watching the cricket this afternoon. Who knew that crowbarring in a fake opener in order to play an all rounder would fail? Oh wait, us last week. So they 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 lost Did- four wickets before you know before the the, the, the second break. The, the the fake opener got out. The the all rounder they crowbarred in with the fake opener got out. The fucking the weird 
definitely not fascist, black eagle, fundamentalist dude got out. And Travis Head was presumably still drunk from lunch. So that was bad. (laughs) But all of this comes about because you didn't play fucking openers. You had one opener and one rando. Why are we doing this? Usman Khawajarov's only faced 38 balls and they're Pfeiffer. (laughs) Yes. shit. Pick two openers. Pick two openers. Oh, Cameron fucking Bancroft hell. must just be Cameron loving Bancroft, because anybody. Like, Marcus Harris, windies. fucking anybody whose job it is to occupy space and soak up pressure. It's like they don't respect the idea that you act. I mean, I don't want to go all Ed Cowan circa 2010, but th- there's a value to just being able, when a ball, the ball is hooping, which it's doing because dusk has fallen and, and it's a, a pink ball in, in Brisbane in summer. The value of having someone who will soak that shit up so that your numbers three through five don't have to face it, that's the entire point. So you don't send out fucking Steve Smith fidgeting like he's got a fucking bug up his ass, and you don't send out Marcus Lamastray doing his bad impression of Steve Smith. Jesus Christ, these people. Oh, I love the variability that day-night cricket brings yeah. in tests. Oh, I, just I think do too, but this would have happened in a day test. Yeah. Because most those yeah. first four wickets fell when it was just mm. after, you know it was just like a new ball last session series of wickets. The West Indies yep. are good again, ish. They found some really well, good kids, and this is fantastic. It's really cool. Th- th- this is the uh, this is the absolute joy you get sometimes with the coach, where you get handed you know a whole bunch of young unproven players because the superstar prima donnas are off you know, doing extracurricular projects and you get- The aging superstars are making millions. Yeah, yeah, for, you get a, yeah, but you get a bunch of young, hungry people that, that you know, had pictures of Kirtley Ambrose on the wall and, and Brian Lara and just all they want to do is score 300 yeah. with that maroon cap on their head. And, you know, not nine times out of ten, it, it's not enough, but sometimes it just is. And it's just the best. Yeah, they found they found a couple of really good young kids, and that's that's really encouraging. And particularly because yeah. the, you know the Gabba is the ground where they used to be nigh on unbeatable. But the Gabba is also where I remember I was there in the two thousand two thousand one season, where they came out. They were still you know there was that stage the Windies were still like a power. They'd fallen a bit, but they were still a power. And then they got rolled on the first morning for eighty two. And I don't feel like I feel like the West Indies died as a power that day. And they've never been yeah. never been the same since. And yeah, like it's just it's a little bit like the Knicks in basketball, where as much as we sort of ironically and unironically hang shit on the Knicks, you can sort of see a, a section of the market wake up when they're good. Yeah, when the, um, if the because of the history of the, if the if Windies were up and about, it's going to make so much difference to Test cricket. Yeah, like I, I do not understand why the ICC is just like. We got to get the we got to get the windy like the windies are a great brand like because what, the ICC a, a, are run by the BCCI yeah, and they yeah. they only care about Don't themselves. Give a fuck. It's a little bit yeah, like the way like, NBA the NBA fans talk about the All Star thing. They're not even aware there's a rest of the world. It's just the other countries just send them players to play in their domestic tournaments. That's that's the only reason that we exist. It's it's a little bit like you, you know you see it in car companies all the time where they'll buy you know Volkswagen or buy the Bugatti brand and do something under that yeah. brand. And it might be a loss leader the, for the rest of what they do. That's right. But the, just the, 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 the thought of that brand doing something cool. Like, can, can you imagine, uh, uh, like, the excitement, a really red-hot West Indies five-test tour, like like an old – like, my most 
vivid memory of test cricket is losing that test in Adelaide where where I was convinced this was the time. We were this finally going to get we on top of them. Yeah. Yep. You know, like the, the thought of a, a strong West Indies tour would actually – I think rival the Ashes. I think it, oh, I think yeah. that the well, the, I think it would for is, our generation. I think there's a like anybody under under the age of forty can't remember. Um, yeah, but I, I think Indies I think it would. Tour. I think it, it it's just at that cusp of it's still baked in enough to 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 to, to punters to to bring them out and would actually there would be enough nostalgia and enough. There's like heaps of video and things that you can use to generate it if there was a good team. But they've just been, you know, they were the team that, who was it that um, Voges, Adam Voges, like came into the test team and was averaging 90 because he fucking played his first test series against the Windies. Yeah. Um, I would just be happy for that not to be the case, which is what we're seeing right now. That's yeah. great. And the, the good thing about modern test cricket is that every team, no matter how good they are, are fragile. Like, yeah. I mean, England were racing the West Indies to have the worst record on, because there's two test matches going simultaneously at the moment. There's an England-India match going on at the same time. And the England and uh, the Windies were both three down in the first uh, session at almost exactly the same time. But England had more runs, so therefore another moral victory to Basball. Congratulations. Mm. Um, but, you know, every team is slightly afraid. Even, I mean, Australia, when they're, they're playing Pakistan, they, they were four down for fuck all in one of the, the, the second innings that they were playing. I think two of them. So you can, they aren't impervious armour around these around these great teams anymore. India came out and got bowled out for 36 kind of thing. Yeah. Speaking of putting impervious armour around things, maybe um, maybe we need to put Glenn Maxwell in like one of those inflatable sumo suits at all times just to make sure he doesn't mm. get into any... Any shenanigans? This week, Glenn Maxwell was hospitalised after a Six It Out concert. Uh, it was alleged that it was because he had been heavily drinking. I, too, would drink to the point of hospitalisation if I had to watch Six It Out. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, but, how else can you watch Six It Out? That seems perfectly reasonable it also to seems me. A bit like, it could also be some kind of, you know, he seems to black out and fall over a little bit as well. So I don't know whether he might have some you know, undiagnosed epilepsy. Not that kind of doctor, hashtag. But um, it does make you think because he did have the, you know, broke his leg at a friend's birthday and fell off a fucking golf cart oh, and golf cast cart. himself. He, I'm sure there's lots of people who say he needs to give up the beers. Um, I don't think he necessarily needs to give up the beers. Uh, like, he can probably keep some of the beers, but he could probably give up, like, the last 15 to 20 beers. Yeah. I think they're the ones that cause the problem. He can keep the first three to five, but the, the, the subsequent 15 might be the ones he needs to give up. But uh, he is—he is mates with Jeff Lemon, so hopefully Jeff Lemon will write his autobiography when he retires. I would love to see a a, a, a ghosted Jeff Lemon, um, yeah, thing. But it does—it does kind of make you think. I reckon this is probably why he he was not picked up for a lot of those Australian teams. Ah, uh, you can see. I'm no, not saying I, it is, but you can see a world in which they're like, yeah, he's he, you know. You know, no, maybe but not. Well, I've talked. I've talked to Pat a lot about this, and Pat said he's just a very strange cultural fit for what ninety-five percent of cricket operates. He just doesn't operate the same way. Just why he's mates with Jeff Lemon, who was also a weird cultural fit. But I, I haven't seen like, Jeff Lemon drink, you know, twenty-seven beers and fall off a gold cart. So maybe Maxwell feels like he needs to drink like that to hang out with these people because they're just you know you have to kind of get down to their level to to be able to speak to Steve Smith. Yeah, that. 
that might might actually be the case. Is that's the only way he can relate to? He can relate to these people the, as being the, absolutely paralytic. Yeah, yeah. This is why why you know um, party drugs should be legalized, so he can you know he he probably do something different with his um. You're saying uh, maybe he should, he, should be, he should be out there on ketamine. Oh, ketamine or even some mushrooms, you know. Yeah. I reckon maxi on mu- mushrooms would probably probably be uh, probably be a much better oh, fit than alcohol. Oh, those fucking gas station boner pills that Tristan Thompson was on, or um, <laughs> to be, all to be of honest, the stuff Steve. that all of the stuff that Nobro were on. <laughs> We've got some gravel <laughs> and some Tylenol three. <laughs> Steve Smith should also be on mushrooms for a completely different reason. Well, uh, you, you, so. <laughs> You, you can't accuse him of batting slow enough to have mushrooms growing out of him, so which is why he doesn't make a good opener. I think that's enough of sport for this week. Yeah, um, let's let's come back. Yeah. We've, we've got a we've got a we've got a sporting twist for the music this week, well, so I guess of, yeah. that's a good leak. Um, yeah. the, the other thing I'd add is that, uh, good lord, I hope the fucking Chiefs lose in the uh, the NFL because I'm fucking had enough. Ah, oh, interesting. The racist ass chop and the fucking generic white lady who keeps getting you know. Uh, yeah, well, too, okay. because she gets more gets more screen time than any than either of the fucking teams. Congratulations, Travis Kelsey, you've pulled a route. Well done. Congratulations. Can we move on? If you can put if you can put that aside, though, considering that it's not uh, us, like it doesn't seem to be a super well constructed side. Because I have been watching a little bit more NFL this year. It, is it? Oh well, well, what it, they've it, done is that is that they've run into cap hell. So what they did was they tra- they thought well we think we can do this with cheaper wide receivers. So they they yeah. traded away the really expensive wide receivers and, and drafted replacement level ones. And it turns out they're replacement level. They keep dropping the fucking ball. Uh, so that's really yeah. the challenge they have. But they also their, their run defense also sucks. And I think that's going to be a real problem playing uh, coming up against the Ravens, who will run on you and will run over you. Uh, particularly even right, right up to Lamar Jackson, the the quarterback, who will who will personally run over you and smile while yeah. he's doing it. Um, and if San Francisco sort of had that week off wake up call, s- you know, scrambled through and now, like, it's really hard to say like, with that team because that team is capable of wrecking worlds, but they're also capable of just having. They are that death star like, because the, the, they, they are un- get that. They absolutely can be can be exhaust ported, and they they yeah. get regularly exhaust ported around this time of year. Yeah, it's 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 interesting because they seem like when they get rolling. It just seems impossible to stop them. Yep. But yep. if they're not rolling by half time, it's almost like they look at each other and go, <gasps> "What's going Once on?" Once you run into scripted <laughs> plays and that people need to, need to just fucking um, superstar their way out of it, they don't like their superstars yeah. aren't at the positions. They're certainly not at quarterback. So they, uh, you know, their no, quarterback is that- is a really good game manager. It's a bit like. Brett Kamali in the Melbourne Storm days, like yeah. he wasn't, he wasn't a great, wasn't a great halfback, but he was really good at activating all their brilliant outside backs. Yeah, that that's a great analogy because McCaffrey is definitely Slater, right? Yeah, it's that, yep. it's that. Holy shit! How the fuck did he find a way through there? And, and you know, um, you've got you got Kittle and the guys like that who are probably like the yeah. the centers of the of the, the yeah, great the, Melbourne the teams. Of the, Your mate yeah. Tony Martin and guys like that. But God, we've we've actually just done an NFL podcast in, in miniature. Yeah, right? but that's but that's exactly it. But if it comes down to a situation where you need Brett Kamali to win you a game, Brett Kamali doesn't win you a game because we saw that multiple times when he was the New South Wales halfback in Origin, and that's kind of what you worry about with Brock Purdy is that 
as long as the whole fucking Rube Goldberg machine keeps running, it's all going to be fine. But, you know, if it's pissing rain and all these sorts of things, which it won't be because they'll be hosting the game in fucking... Um, the, the 49ers will be hosting it in San Francisco. So they should be... This is the game against... How am I blanking on the other NFC? Oh, the, the Lions. Lions, the Lions, um, yeah. The Lions, uh, who, who got their magnificent fucking uh, karma win against against the Rams in the first round, which is basically all, all the key people from the Rams were people who'd been traded away from the from the Lions and vice versa. So it was, uh, it was a tremendous game for that purpose. But um, the, the, And the Lions seem to be like, – it, it, the NFL is so interesting in that it's such a war of attrition that it, to, at some point it's like, how many pieces have you got left on the board by, yeah. by the time you get to the it's finals? It's a real next man up situation. And then it's next man up plus what can you coach around that? What can you yeah. create in the week with the, with the, and it, it, from a coaching perspective, it's, um, I'm not surprised you, you've gotten a bit more into it. And the, the deeper you get into it, the more complicated it gets, but it is really a coach's league because you've got to figure out ways of making these parts work of, of making, you know, chicken, chicken salad out of chicken shit in some cases. Um, yeah. Particularly in a week where you've lost your best players and you've still got to go out there and win. Whereas in the NBA, yeah. there's a little bit less. You know, sometimes it's just a matter of just pick your five best players and roll the ball out. Well, you, yeah, you, if you've got and then Shea. shout at them when you make a substitution and fuck it up like Chris Finch. If you've got Shea or you've got Luca or you've got you know Steph Curry, then it allows you to build certain things. But I, I totally understand what you're saying about the NFL in that you know if, if all of a sudden your offensive line is decimated, yeah. then well, like Miami. you can't run. Miami in the, um, in the in the divisional round, they're down yeah. so many, so much of their offensive line and so many of their pass catching attack weapons that they just had no fucking hope. And the interesting thing is with the 49ers, they're down Debo Samuel, who was one of their most effective in the, in the Shanahan system, the Kyle Shanahan system, which he inherited from his old man and developed, and also a lot of the other guys from that system have spread out through the league, like the guy in, in, in Miami is one of their guys. Um, in that system, your running backs kind of need to be pass catchers as well. They need to be a hybrid. And Debo Samuel's a really good hybrid running back. Just a bulldozing running back who can also catch the ball. He's probably going to yeah. be out for the game against the Lions. So, um, again, Shanahan's going to have to figure out how to, well, how to play without his favorite toys. And that's the thing I understand is that the reason you can make McCaffrey so effective is you spread the defensive line out with those guys that can – you know, catch and run out wide, yep. and and you've only got to create the slightest bit of space yep. for that dude, and he can and he can go through he just the middle, bowls and- through shit. It's amazing. And- it's amazing that that we sent over some of our best like running back prototypes. And Jared Hay, now only terrible human being, but extremely mm. good footballer, and he could not make a dent in the NFL. And you would have thought no. he would have been exactly the guy who could have done it. So that kind of gives you a marker of just how good these guys are at that. Yeah, and that and San Francisco, like we used to run, or, or like not just we, but like a whole heap of people used to run what they called like a quickie quarterback prog- progression, which is like you run one play, which causes the defense to react yep. a particular way. So then you run the second play, and then you run the third play, and by the time you run the third play, the defense is like, well, what what's coming? You know, wh- which do I step left or do I step right? And that's when you can really cause some havoc, yeah, right? You because just throw them like- a lot of different looks, and then suddenly they don't know which look to, to react to. But in the NFL, the defense are doing that as well. They'll show certain looks pre-snap, yeah. and then they'll they'll convert into a different look. 
and that, that's what trips up those really programmed, you know, voice in the ear system quarterbacks, the game managers. Um, yeah, and, and that, that's that's kind of how, how you how you fuck those guys up. And then you can see why Mahomes is Mahomes yes. because he's the guy that he's Jordan, that can, as as Bermani Jones said this week. Like he is the yeah. guy who can do all the system stuff, but then can just make stuff up himself. Though, though Lamar is a little bit like that, right? Because he's yeah. got that running game. So if, yeah. if if it all goes to shit, he just go. Oh, all right, I just run thirty meters. Lamar is, is almost like a, a Mahomes Josh Allen hybrid because he's got that bustling running game, but he's also got he's also more talented yeah. with the ball than than Allen is. He doesn't quite go the full fucking Glenn Maxwell YOLO fucking just fucking somebody's down there yoink yeah stuff. And you can see why Josh Allen's why Tua why Tua has. Limitations because yeah. when he when he runs, he looks he's like four a, foot nine. Like that might be the tank. issue, and he's he's heavily concussed at all times. Yeah, he, he looks like David Boone trying to run for run for a drinks <laughs> cart. Well, he used to be a good runner, and then he got crunched. Like yeah. the Dolphins might seriously have to move on from him, which is a terrible shame because um, mm. he has been broken by their game. He used to be you know incredibly good runner. Um, we'll see how that goes. Anyway. We're- we accidentally anyway, we, did an NFL podcast, folks, on our, podcast, on our NBA yeah. podcast. But, um, as, a, as an after dark for the NBA. No, really. Right, look, the thing is that, you know, it's also a good sport to watch. So um, and, and an interesting one to, to coach through. And uh, a Ravens 49ers, um, an, another Ravens 49ers Super Bowl would be quite interesting. It certainly seems to be the one that, that all the media are expecting to see. So, of course, it's going to be fucking Lions versus Chiefs or some shit. Um, it's also... Like whether the NFL did it or whatever, but they seem to have cleaned up some of their. We'll yes. just we'll just pick abominable people, and like the NBA could probably do with a, a bit of a revolution in the same way. Like, yeah, they could. I mean, it kind of helped that um, as again, Bermani Jones calls him the nasty man, the fucking Deshaun Watson. Managed to, he's come back from his multiple sexual grossness uh, accusations and playing awfully to the point where he got injured and nobody cared. And then ancient Joe Flacco dragged the uh, the Browns to the playoffs. But a lot of that kind of stuff, yeah, a lot of the ba- the bad owners have been quietly shuffled out or loudly shuffled out. Um, they got rid of Dan Snyder. They got rid of Jerry Richardson. They're having their kind of um, Donald Sterling moments, if you like, to clear these guys yeah. out. All right, Doc. Let's, I need a drink. Let's uh, come back and talk some tunes, some yep. old tunes for let's, once. Let's come back and talk up-to-date tunes from 1994. <laughs> All right. Catch on the flip side. Cheers, folks. That might be that might be the longest sport podcast we've recorded in a long time. 